In this episode, we talk with the one and only Anna Sabramowitz. Before we begin, let me tell you about our Storyline training courses at MasterStoryline.com. Improve your e-learning skills with our video tutorials, including our new Branching Scenarios course and Spin the Wheel game. Use the discount code SCENARIOS33, all one word, to get 10% off the first year. Hey Anna, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me. This is so cool. I've never been interviewed by two people at the same time before, so thanks for having ah, me. This is yeah. our special show. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so next time you'll get three people to interview you and then four people and five. You can always go up from here, which is nice. I, yeah, it's like I'm leveling up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what can you tell us about yourself? What led you into e-learning and all that jazz? Um, well, I, my start was, uh, it, it, it was really kind of funny. I, I dropped out of school so I could pay the bills and I got hired by a company that really invested heavily was a corporate corporation. And they just invested heavily in their employees. They were like top 100 employers in Canada. And what was cool is they also invested in the tech. And what happened is because they were trying to really scale and, uh, reach remote areas, cause they had all these places all over the world. Um, they realized that first they launched webinars, right? And webinars weren't making the cut because people really didn't engage in the recordings themselves when we recorded the training for all these remote offices. So they were like, how can we make awesome self-paced stuff? And e-learning was kind of just getting started. We were working with some really terrible, <laughs> terrible software in the very beginning. Um, but that's how I got started, just trying to create these little tiny experiences for people in these remote offices all over Canada. And then it went from there because then Articulate launched like uh, Presenter. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. my God, power, ultimate power. It's like 2006, <laughs> seven, right? Yeah. yeah, I was so excited. <laughs> that was the coolest thing ever. So, yeah. And then I just um, I kept on just building on that skill and doing more and more with it. And then a whole bunch of other tools came out. But um, after that, like. Yeah, it just snowballed, and it's something that I've never, never left because I think there's so much power behind those kinds of experiences. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, what, what, but when, when, when uh, you know, has the path taken you to the scenario uh, forest? <laughs> the scenario forest. I've never heard it called this magic. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, what's really cool is it, it actually began for me um, almost kind of at the same time, but I didn't actually see the power of scenarios in e-learning because when I first discovered them, the, the tools weren't there yet. They hadn't caught up. So um, I trained uh, people in um, in this call center, right? And we were just churning out like it was rapid growth. So we were just launching training after training after training which i absolutely love but then you see people mm -hmm. after like four weeks go to the floor and they're freaking scared they're scared to talk to people they're scared they don't know what to do like all of a sudden they they hit reality and it is so stressful so it was a huge challenge for me because like i got great reviews on that training but i didn't get but then I saw them on the floor and I and my peers were also the supervisors of these people and I was like I'm getting great reviews, but my my results aren't awesome. Mm -hmm. So then what we started doing is incorporating role plays and scenarios into the training. And it absolutely changed the game. All of a sudden, 
we, instead of us doing like reviews and, and case studies, we actually just started role playing what it's like to be with a customer. And instead of doing like basically it switched from uh, 90% instruction to 10% some role plays to almost all role plays and some instruction where they they would do that. And I was like, this is amazing. This is the way to do all training. It was and it was when you get the right people in, they they see your vision and your ideas They let you try stuff. That's the best because we actually were able to experiment with it and then just went from there. So then when the software caught up, I was like, can I do this online? Yeah. And that's that's how I got into it. Well, well how did you I mean, there must there must have been a moment like that it clicked that, OK, I think we should do scenario. Mm hmm. So how, how, how was that? Well, it's like what happens is you have a um, you have somebody stumbles or you, you see somebody and they're not able to like connect all the info that that they're going through to reality. So we'd be at the at the very end of our sessions once in a while, we'd be like the students would come back from the floor and they'd say, hey, um, this happened, and I didn't know what to do, or I was listening to somebody else do this because they did this kind of on-the-job shadowing their very first mm -hmm. couple of days. They would come back and say, this happened, but I, I don't know. I, I think I would have done it differently. And I was like, okay, well, let's play that out, right? And that's the, that's the gold, because being able to play through different um, ways of solving it, and everybody thinks they, they know how to solve something, right? They know their, their way is better, or they would have done it differently. So we work through that and then either confirm or deny that they were right, which is a wicked lesson because then they go back with that experience because now they have context or when to use it. And I think this is a great example because you were there, you were, you know, hands on with these students, <laughs> let's call them, of, of these courses, but you were able to see the feedback, you know, get the feedback and, and, and uh, you know, provide upgrades and updates and, and switch to scenarios. You know, I can imagine a, a situation where an external company would do these courses, but they would never hear back. You know, the, the, this transition to scenarios would never have happened. Yes. Oh, I 100% I believe it. But you really have to um, start being really honest with yourself as, as I think, a, an organization about what you actually value and what's a valid metric. Because I think we mm -hmm. still are like, oh, look, we like I could have been happy with those reviews. I got sweet reviews of my training and but the results sucked. Right. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you have to be honest and say, why the heck am I doing all this? Is it to get nice, nice reviews? And people still use those post, you know, post training surveys, which mean nothing. We know they mean nothing. So uh, you got to look at your results and. And it's not a silver bullet, right? Like there's so many things that contribute to that person being successful when they leave the training. But, you know, you hopefully you can stack the odds in your favor. And Anna, when, when we're talking about um, about scenarios, do you, I'm kind of interested in, because there's so many approaches to kind of interacting with scenarios. I mean, in, in one case, you can just provide a information almost like a, a situation, mm. but then you can provide a scenario with an interaction being more along the lines of a multiple choice, simpler interaction, but then that can lead into decision trees and branching and more complex uh, interactions. When, mm -hmm. when, um, when you talk about scenarios, or, or maybe as you're developing towards you know scenario-based training is there 
is it all across the board or do you tend to lean, um, you know, you have uh, some simpler interactions and more complex ones, or does it just really depend on the whole situation and what the, the goals are? It's, it's a mix of those, uh, David. So it would be like, like the, the danger with scenarios and also the beauty of it is that you can probably make them work in every single context, right? But if you think about your goal, uh, you you can sit back and say, okay, what is, why am I doing this scenario? Um, and it's not like you come in and go, hey guys, we're just going to do scenarios because I know people like that. And then they're always like, how come my customers don't want scenarios? I'm like, because you, you tell them that you're going to start with scenarios, right? You're, they don't know what the heck you're talking about. So if most companies uh, I know have a ton of awesome resources already. They have an LMS full of just like last last place I talked to, they're like, we got 600 courses on our LMS. I'm like, okay, so why are we talking, <laughs> right? And, and they're like, well, nobody's looking at the courses. And I'm like, okay. So the scenario here, right? The scenario here is not that you need sexier learning, right? Because uh, there's, there's like top performers at your company that use the same info. So what is it? What is it that is uh, making those people take it to the next level? What is it that makes those people want to engage with that learning versus people who don't? Like for me, then a scenario that I would put together for them is somebody who thinks they know all the right info, put them in a situation where these decisions have to be made and help them realize that they actually have gaps and they're not in the top performer mark. And, and then when they're ready, when they're like, oh, damn, <laughs> I thought I was a rock star, which is most learners are like, I already know this stuff. Then then what happens is through the scenario and the situations you put them in, they, they're like, oh, wait, I thought I knew this. Okay, cool. Um, where can I get this info? So now that they see the context uh, where they're going to be applying it, you can supply something very quickly and that's already built. And, and there you go. You don't have to build a, a protocol scenario where you're teaching them how to do stuff. That scenario can just be about them identifying the context for when to use those resources. So that's one use. And sometimes that's what fits best. And then you've got scenarios where you could go from scratch and say, hey, um, we don't have the info or we have a ton of info, but people don't know how to use it in the context of like a conversation with a customer. So then you do a sim, right, where you would be um, interacting with somebody and making decisions based on their responses and things like that. And that could be like a branched piece because mm -hmm. some of your decisions lead to other, you know, consequences and things like that. So there's, there's different, um, there's different avenues to use scenarios, but some are more, um, conducive to storytelling and some are more conducive to simply a, how to execute steps in the right order to make sure you're successful. So I decide that based on what's going on and what do they want to achieve and what's already existing. Like there's a lot of stuff that's already awesome. Can we make that even better by adding some kind of, you know, uh, aha moment for these people? So can you give us a few examples of where scenarios are really, you know, paying off in, in terms of the results? What what are the best situations for scenarios for 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 like for courses for which which kind of content? So uh, the there's a, a project uh, we finished working for um, Adidas. And what happened there was they were launching this new, um, basically, uh, database of awesome leadership resources. 
And like the, this was already done. They they had the training videos, how to do it in different contexts, uh, how to engage people. All of that was done. But the thing is, everybody already <laughs> thinks they're a great leader. So mm-hmm. you have yeah. this, you know, leadership. Yeah, I'm the best, right? Like, of course, look at my team. My team loves me. This is the, you know, I don't need leadership <laughs> training, right? How do you help them realize there's a, you know, maybe they should, you know, brush up on a few things or so basically what you're trying to do with uh, what we tried to do with this scenario is it's kind of a little bit of propaganda, right? Because what you're trying to do is help people think differently or or persuade them to think differently. That's that's what we're doing. We're always doing that. So uh, we designed a story uh, with uh, where we had this this character, uh, very endearing, uh, really thought everything was perfect. Uh, and then they got some news. And realized they weren't so perfect. And then they started like really just paying attention to everyday occurrences and saying, hey, do I, am I, am I applying these principles? Is this really? And then all of a sudden getting feedback from peers who were very, very honest, <laughs> which you don't always get in the, in a real environment when you're a leader, right? There's a lot of uh, uh, cushioning around you. So yes. <laughs> we, we make some things that are uncomfortable. They can experience this discomfort. And then at the end, it was so successful. Uh, they actually made it mandatory training for other leaders because they realized people needed that aha moment of mm. these like, oh, I'm not a, a rock star yet, yet, but there's opportunity. Um, and uh, to, to be basically the segue to this giant, you know, learning academy for leaders that they have. So that was awesome. And, and how, and it doesn't have to be that project, but how, <laughs> how are people typically involved in these scenarios? You know, like what's their kind of format? And I know it's all across the board, but... Uh, maybe uh, there's some examples of, um, you know, what kind of interaction points someone might have to kind of involve themselves in the scenario, or, or, or I, I guess, how do you approach that? When you say people who are involved, like, are you talking about the learner, or are you talking about the people who help you develop? The learner. The learner. So yeah. what happens is you're basically, it's kind of like a digital comic book, but it's a choose your own adventure, mm-hmm. right? So you get to, uh, you're introduced to a character, optimally. And um, and then challenges come up. You you're introduced to their motivation. You're sold on some sort of a a better better world, uh, better idea, some kind of place that you want to take them to. And and then through that, uh, they make a whole bunch of decisions um, that they see the outcomes of. And sometimes it leads them to a good ending, and sometimes it doesn't. And these are very simple. Like I'm talking, like you know, when you mentioned multiple choice, we are talking multiple choice questions. With consequences, but they're written super awesomely so that you actually think you're reading a story and you get to be in charge of that story, just like the books. Right, yeah. And I know I've been in situations where it's it's kind of amazing how you can take a multiple choice question and slightly adjust the, um, just kind of adjust it slightly and it, it, it quickly becomes, you know, someone in a scenario, in a situation, and um, they're answering almost the same questions, but it's it's totally different in how uh, you're now building kind of experience over just kind of answering a, a question, which you might kind of almost just click a button to uh, get through quickly, um, then feel involved. Absolutely. And you know what's crazy is that I think that we, we really, we overcomplicate things in our world of learning, because when you think about 
I don't know. Have you guys ever played that uh, game uh, Deus Ex? Deus Ex? Yeah, uh, I, I attempted that like 20 years ago. <laughs> so there's Deus Ex. There's also Firewatch, right? Firewatch is awesome. Yeah, right? What's Firewatch? Uh, like uh, multiple choice question. Actually, it's alternate choice question, right? Over and over and over. So yeah. what's cool is that when you have... Uh, when you have that predictable user interface, and I think this is like the thing, when you have a predictable user interface, the person can start focusing exclusively on the decisions in the story without trying to figure out where to click next. It's just that fades away and you just, you get immersed. Yeah. Because I think a lot of us try and like do, oh, this slide is new. Uh, let's, how can we wow them? And And for somebody who's trying to focus on the story, that wow is kind of actually like, stressful <laughs> so how can i think less about where to click and more how to make this story work for me although i would argue that firewatch is amazingly beautiful it is oh it is <laughs> but it doesn't make it, it but it it shifts between the two right like yes exactly beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and then you focus beautiful then you focus yeah and correct yeah. yeah yeah it's there it's not mix it's another mix yeah you're, you're, you're right yeah you're right it's cool. So, I mean, and the fact that you can actually watch gameplay, which I think is such a wicked hack for us uh, who design learning, that you can see somebody like can be engaged in somebody else play a game for hours, hours, right? We're trying, we're like trying to chunk stuff. We're like, people have uh, 10 minutes, five minutes of focus. And I'm seeing millions and millions of people watch somebody else play a game for an hour and a half. I'm like, what's yeah. wrong? What are we doing? <laughs> Maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way. <laughs> Making excuses. <laughs> damn right. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first damn in, in our show. Oh, I'm so... Oh, no, no, it's, do, I it's, get a, do I get a badge? <laughs> is it? Wilson, I, I, I think so. Maybe, maybe when I had a problem, <laughs> I used it, but I don't think so. I, I don't think the, the guest has used it. Has used it. <laughs> Um, I'll keep no, it clean. Awesome. I'll keep we'll it clean. We'll no, no, it's fine. We'll send you a badge. It's, it's great. No, that's it's every time Skype crashes. That's uh, it's much worse than that usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Cool. <laughs> so I, I was listening to a few of your episodes today of your podcast, and uh, this I had I had a question for you. I have a question for you because mm. usually I imagine scenarios in uh, like this leadership uh, example you gave. And mm. usually it's like uh, there's a person and they have to make some decisions and you, well, you have, let's say, three choices and you make decisions for them. So the situation is that you are, uh, that person, it's like, it's like the, you are making the decisions for the third person. Like here is the, the, you know, imagine Tom, he is a leader, blah, blah, blah. So we're, you're using a third person for in this example, in this scenario, would are there examples where you would use like a first person, like you would say, you are in a new environment, blah, 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 blah. And what are the situations that you would use that? And are there any benefits of using first person instead of the third person? So, yeah, that's an awesome question, Nate. Uh, and I've actually thought about that as well. And there's uh, some awesome examples that people can check out to experience this for themselves. Because, you know, we talked about Firewatch, right? And Firewatch is kind of first person, but I, I think not, so. right? Okay, so 
mostly. Here's yeah. the difference. Here's the difference. Have you have you guys experienced that uh, scenario? It's called um, Take the Knife. It's on YouTube. It's like Take the Knife to the Party. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. but I oh, want for- to. <laughs> So yeah, actually, it's really it's solid. And what's amazing is that you can build a branching scenario using YouTube and links at the end of YouTube. It's just genius. I was like, oh man, this this could put people out of business, but it didn't. Uh, what a surprise! So basically, what happens is uh, this this guy he want uh, he's in the UK and he wanted to develop um, uh, something for youth so that they would stop taking um, making better decisions when they go to these. Uh, challenging streets or uh, situations so they don't bring weapons because if you bring a weapon, uh, not only do you go to jail or you get, um, I think you uh, you get some sort of a, anyways, you might go to jail or juvie hall, I don't know, but also um, it leads to people getting hurt, right? Yeah. I w- the, the states might know any th- a bit about that. So, <laughs> but mostly it's it's like knives and things like that, right? So what he did is he created this scenario where you play first person and you get to decide on this uh, this young man's um, behalf whether he's going to... The decisions that he'll make as he goes and hangs out with his friends, right? And to yeah. be honest with you, because it's first person... At the, I'm going to... Spoiler alert. At the end, you know, one of the endings is he gets... He has to go to court and I think he gets sent to like... Uh, either fined or uh, his parents get fined or he has to go to like juvie hall for three years or something ridiculous like that, right? Mm-hmm. He's sitting there beside his mom and he looks at his mom and she's so um, upset, right? Yeah. But at that moment, like I know that's not my mom. So I don't actually really care. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You 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 don't get as emotional as I guess it was intended. Not not at all. Because yeah. the thing is, is if you play yourself, um, you're like you 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 have that. Sus- no, you don't have the suspension of disbelief because you're like, yeah, that's not me. I know this isn't me, and I don't care. Like I'm not gonna do this, or I'm only gonna do this here, and this isn't really my mom. But if you uh, externalize that story, and I think it would make it a more powerful story. If you told me the story of um, of David, who is trying to make a decision, and uh, and then at the like he's got all this internal struggle, he's got some things he's got to overcome. He's you know whatever. Maybe his friend died when he was young. All those things make him like a really compelling character. I'm rooting for him. And at the end, when it, when his mom cries, I feel something because damn it, David messed up. Do you know what I mean? So it's different. And that's why first person is not a good avenue when you're trying to have people change their beliefs or have them have some sort of an epiphany or imagine a magical world in the future mm-hmm. when they've achieved this because it they 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 have to step outside of themselves to experience it through somebody else. There is a place for first person um, sims uh, like Branch Track does those kinds of when you're practicing with a customer because it's way more dynamic, right? You can really go through a series of protocols to actually ingrain them and go, okay, what do I do next? What do I do next? Because then you can actually mostly imagine yourself being in that situation. But when you're trying to have an aha moment where things aren't outside of you, Mm -hmm. go second, go third person. Great question. (laughs) I like, uh, Nate's, I think, I can't remember if we talked about this once, but, um, I think I did a video on it. I know we've talked about building some of these, but like first person, like full video sort of things where it's like, 
um, where someone you're you're in the mall and someone has a heart attack, yeah. and you get up and go over to them. And realistically, your decision your de- the decisions that pop up that you can make are very simple. I mean, really, it's just the complexity of getting all these videos made. But they, even though they're simple, they create like these this level of experience that you now have at the end, just because you've kind of done it before and you've kind mm-hmm. of developed these good habits rather than bad habits. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the things is you can run away and ignore this person having a heart attack or you can go up to them and, <laughs> and try to help. And if you ran away, it would just say a little thing like, um, uh, did you know that the laws protect you if if uh, you don't do something right? You know, So it's just these little things that I think – I think it's so interesting that you can just, you know, a, a, a little sentence can can do quite a lot to the way you think about situations and and dealing with them. Uh, but I remember that was a a pretty cool first person yeah. uh, approach to uh, e learning. Mm-hmm. I I think um, one of the best examples of that that I've seen. Well, there's a couple. One is called uh, Lifesaver.org, right? Uh, that was developed by. Uh, Martin Percy. And what he did is exactly that. One of the things that they really were trying to promote is people getting over the, um, that fear of, of, uh, administering CPR or the Heimlich because they think that they don't know, but they know more than they think. So helping is better than not helping. Right. So in those cases, exactly like you said, David, you are, it's, it's no longer going to be a new experience because you've, potentially done it online and actually they're the lifesaver.org um they did a <laughs> their ipad app is so cool you actually got to do like compressions with the entire ipad <laughs> nice. and you got really tired you got so i was like i can't believe i'm doing this with an ipad i've got all these things to do after this uh, <laughs> after this recording <laughs> well what's tough i'm just like you know when you do uh, when you do cpr you're supposed to like break ribs right like that's how hard you're supposed to be pushing yeah. and i'm like i'm getting tired with an ipad like <laughs> you have to break the screen you know <laughs> so immersive <laughs> well one of the i know one of the other one of the other first person things that i have seen is uh, like you're on a boat and it knocks you off the boat yeah. and it's it's to build awareness of, about how much energy effort you have to put into trying to stay above the water and you have to just keep uh scrolling the mouse yeah. uh scroll wheel that's a good example and and that keeps you above the water and you just have to keep doing that over and over and over oh it's a really God. simple thing but you start to get tired after a little while you, yeah. you don't want to do it anymore and when you yeah. stop you go underwater it's kind of a just in, interesting experiences that's fantastic and the fact that they could somebody had the you know you can you can take this to the like yeah scrolling the mouse now on the ipad you can incorporate all these quasi movements that replicate that uh situation i think that's at the next level seriously that's genius let me just mention you you said about the youtube videos and interactive links Mm -hmm. putting it out there the all all the links that were used um uh with the use of the annotation tool uh those are all gone because youtube said uh enough with the annotations and a lot of those videos are totally unusable now so Hmm. Hmm. yeah that's well thanks debbie downer that's great brilliant yeah (laughs) yeah thanks google i I, i'm just saying on the bright side of youtube videos (laughs) anna's got a ton of videos out there where she covers all sorts of things like this if you haven't seen them so I'll, i'll just turn that 
uh, on a higher note there and Thanks say for that, that like uh, David. <laughs> there are so many wonderful videos. And there will um, be many links in the show notes. So just yeah, go over there and click the links. Oh, you guys, thank you. I, I, I remember one of the videos you had, I think you were talking about, maybe I'm mixing these up, but it was about a birdhouse or something. And um, But at the end, I like where you were talking about uh, one of the nice things about scenarios is it, it kind of leads people or you can lead people to, uh, you know, go through them again, you know. Um, and if they go through them again, they can, you know, answer things differently. They can get, you know, build more experience, gain more experience. Um, and also someone who might've gone through the first time and felt like somewhat of a failure at the, you know, you don't want to leave them feeling like a failure. You can give them the opportunity to uh, leave feeling successful at something. And I, I, uh, thought that was a really good information. Um, cause I think a lot of people think that people are going to go through this stuff once. And so you got to pack it into that one time, but if you build it right, you, you kind of get them kind of caught in it and interested in in building more experience. Yeah. And the other thing is that, I mean, uh, this is all uh, science nerdy stuff, but you got to like, you got to see stuff or experience it seven times before it like stays in your brain. Right. Like, and when I say seven times, I mean, like you think about it seven times, really think about it. So I'll go back to books that I read like like two months ago and I'll start reading it and I'm like, wow, I didn't even, I don't even remember this chapter, but now it makes sense. Right. (laughs) So, so the thing for me is we don't repurpose this stuff enough. Like if you got a scenario that's sweet and awesome, don't leave it to just like even this hoping that this one, um, repeated experience is going to be enough. Send it to them again in a month. Have them go through it. People will be like, "Ooh, new." <laughs> mm-hmm. And and but also they would have had a chance to potentially incorporate some of that. Think about some of those things. Some of those things really stick. And then now you see them in different context, and it's different. Mm-hmm. It's a different use to you. So yeah, it's it's cool when you can do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you kind of build these little foundations, and you never know. Yeah, they might come back to it and just not have a problem at all going through it because they built these things. They might not even remember the details, but they built a foundation, a decision-based kind of foundation that allows them to, uh, you know, go through the material and understand and interact with the material a lot, a lot easier. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny as I was because um, I run uh, cohorts with with students because I help them design their own scenarios, right? And uh, a part of the process is, uh, like, to be really good at something, you got to look at other awesome stuff, right? And deconstruct it and be like, yeah, there's a reason I like that. Let's figure it out. Maybe I can use it. So uh, I noticed that a lot of times the really great scenarios, the first time people watch them, I'll be like, hey, so uh, so how did you like that? And they were like, oh, my God, that was so awesome. It was full of emotion and I got all invested in it. That was great. And I'm like, okay, tell me one decision that you had to make in that scenario. And they're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can't remember. All they remember is how they felt, right? They were so in it. So when I heard that, yeah. I'm like, okay, that means, and, and it teaches them something too. They're like, oh, the first time it's all excitement and you don't even remember really the specifics. It's like going to a comedy show. I don't know if this ever happens to you because I go to tons of comedy because I love to laugh. And uh, and I'll go like like a week after. I have no clue what the funny man said. Yeah. No no joke. Like in the, yeah, in, that's like, true. Right after yeah, I'm I know just what like, you mean. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. So that's exactly how it is. So from good examples, let's go to, to some <laughs> bad examples. So what would be the what would be the use of scenarios that don't really enhance the the learning experience? I know you've never done that, (laughs) but other people have, you know. (laughs) Oh, God. No, no, I have, man. That's how you get good. You got to mess up, you know. You got to mess up, and then you got to go back and be like, why did this suck? Like, why did it suck? Um, (laughs) Okay, so um, there's there's, with scenarios, it's kind of funny because there's a lot to the production part that if you are wishy-washy about it you will hate your job right if 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 you don't set those standards at the beginning your SMEs will own you uh the process drags on you want to like poke your eyes out it sucks and what you produce you're not even proud of it and then you you don't want to do this again like you want to just open up a knickknack shop and start selling you know whatever keychains you know but i'm not talking from experience or anything so (laughs) so um for me, um, scenarios, it, if, you, um, if you decide that you're going to do a scenario, you have to set some ground rules uh, because I find a lot of times people negotiate on when they design a scenario with people who um, don't understand the purpose of the scenario. So what I mean by that is you'll have an experience like, let's say, broken coworker. And if somebody's not sure, and broken coworker is basically decision, Consequence, decision, consequence, decision, consequence, feedback. Uh, with some, you know, more details in between. But this is this is how people mess up. They're like, oh look, decision, consequence. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, tell them why this was wrong. No, no, right now. No, we got to We got to add it right now because they will be scared to go on to the next decision if they don't know exactly how they were wrong in this decision. They will have a nervous breakdown. Like everybody thinks that. For some reason, our learners, especially adults, are like afraid and freaked out. So fragile, they'll be triggered. Like if you don't explain (laughs) what's going to happen next, they'll be triggered. And I'm like, this, like, are you triggered right now? Did you, like, did you have a seizure or something? Because we didn't say, by the way, you're going to make a decision next and we're not going to give you any info. You're just going to have to wing it. No, right? Like people have this, I don't know, hand-holding so much, like, like Kathy Moore said it, throw them in the deep end, right? Throw them in the deep end. It's funny because I was just uh, talking to one of my students. He's designing a course for uh, cops, right? How to deal with like really stressful situations where they encounter like children who have been in these like raids and stuff and how the kids are actually traumatized, but nobody really pays attention to them. And they get that kind of triggers a whole lot of other things down the line for that per- in that person's life if you don't address it in that moment, right? So his module is all about like these, like you're on a call and then this happens, what do you do next, right? So <laughs> the subject matter experts were like, listen, we have to tell them what kind of situation they're getting into. And I'm like, okay, if you're a cop, are you going to get the call before the call? They're like, by the way, we're going to send you something difficult. Wait about 10 minutes. Something bad's going to come up, okay? Be ready. And then, okay, go on a call. This is the call. <laughs> it, it, like, they just get, they're like, yeah, we got a murder. Go. Nobody says, I need five minutes to gather myself or I need some info first. They just go and do it. So, um, so how people mess up is they try to, I'm not saying we're trying to make real life, but in order for these decisions to actually be relevant and 
and cool and meaningful to people, you got to just throw them in because people like solving problems. They love answering questions. So start with the questions. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that's a good idea? I think it is. Yeah, I, I like that. I, uh, <laughs> we, what did we do? We did a project once where it was about listening, you know, listening to a patient. And what I liked about it is there wasn't a lot of like, you kind of threw them in and the patient just talked and talked and talked. And at the end, you had to kind of select what you thought you heard. I would guess 90% of the time, everyone like did terrible, whoever <laughs> took it. They, In fact, I knew they'd do terrible. I, I have no problem with them doing terrible because then they'd take it again and get like 90, 95% of it right, you know, because mm -hmm. they just had no, they wanted to take it again and, and, uh, and, and be, and be successful. But, um, but yeah, anyway. No, no, it's, it's actually, you're touching on something very important there. If, um, if you pre-sold it to them and said, you have to listen very carefully now, we're going to see what kind of listener you are. Um, it's not as good as a lesson as, yeah, okay, I'm going to listen. And then you get real-time feedback almost mm -hmm. saying, you suck. Maybe you should, because if I pre, if I pre, if I prime you, it's not a real, it's not authentic. You know what I mean? So I love yeah, this no, approach. No, you, you're, you're messing up the test. You, you... Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is going to be difficult. You better prepare. Here's the, here's which questions I'm going to ask, right? No. It's a better moment. It's a better learning experience. If I get the aha, even if it's failure, myself, that's the best. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I love. That's true. You got a lot of people that'll see, uh, now we're going to take a learning course and they'll go, oh, I know how to do this. I don't need to pay attention. <laughs> Where's <laughs> the next button? <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's funny because I was doing this, uh, this training session in a far, far away country and, uh, and part of my, it was a live workshop, and part of it was uh, adult learning principles, right? And uh, after I ran the session, one of the participants came up and he said, when we were deciding on um, if we were going to, you know, go ahead with the workshop, tons of people said, we already know adult learning principles. Why do we need this? And uh, and then I introduced him to things like, if people are crammed into uh, very uncomfortable spaces and they're hungry, they might not learn very well, right? <laughs> which is kind of a part of the adult learning principles or just learning principles, period. Like your learner has to be ready to learn. Therefore, they cannot be cold, super hot yeah. or yeah. hungry, right? And they were like, oh, <laughs> so oh. I think we need to- drop the mic. Yeah, well, there was, and there was like 24 more things we needed to do. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, you, but we do this, right? Like I try and keep an open mind always because like people will say some stuff and I'm like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, what if it's true? <laughs> so I, I try to always ask, what if it's true? You know, flat earth, what if it's true? It's not. It is, I know, but what if it's true? It is flat in parts, just not as a whole. <laughs> what if it's true, right? <laughs> you have to ask that because then you understand that other perspective, I think. And it also, and I think once you realize that there's people who believe that wholeheartedly, uh, it, it might adjust the way you share stuff, right? <laughs> if somebody believes something like that, hmm, what, what are other things that they believe that I don't? Hmm what's you know well right yeah i mean you should you should ask the question because you'll either uh realize that you were right originally mm. or 
um, you'll realize that you were wrong, and now you know, <laughs> you know, much, much more. Um, Heck yeah. Yes. So you must ask the questions. Um, yeah. So I see this as a prerequisite to all e-learning courses of the future. Is the earth flat? Yes, no. <laughs> and this will take you down a certain path. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. Um, as you develop, like, scenario-based training, what tools do you use to maybe not build it, but to... Prepare? kind of develop the story that you're telling the interaction points is there any um you know like people use storyboards a lot but when you're getting into decision-based things and various things like that and um sometimes you know you need to show people kind of the structure that you're going Mm -hmm. for before you build things out are there tools you you use to develop that or um structures that you use to develop that on you know, in PowerPoint or whatever it might be. Mm, yes. And I heard you use the phrase uh, framework. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so what I found is that uh, you have to, like once you've decided that scenario is actually going to help and you're going to, my favorite kind of scenario is one that's going to 10x something that's already happening in the world of that business. Like we're already doing this. Let's do it better. Let's see if scenario scenario can help us do it better. So, uh, but when I come in, I really have to set the constraints from the very beginning. And I really, the constraints are um, flowcharts work. So what happens is um, first, after I interview my practitioners and all those people, I have a, just a giant script, right? And the script is, f- follows a framework of questions, because the practitioners are giving me basically a sequence of a day in the life and the decisions that they have to make. So then after I have that, then I pull out the big, um, the big decisions, the emotional stuff that I kind of came through that I'm like, oh, this might be juicy decision. And those basically are the beats for, for that scenario. Um, and I have a, it's a list. It's totally chronological, right? So at that point, I call that kind of the green path, and I have that on paper. I have that in a Google Doc usually. Um, And then as I refine that, as I say, you know, this decision, this one's critical, this one sends people out to begin again, because if they don't get this one right, they shouldn't really continue with this uh, this scenario. Some some cases are like that. Like, if you're familiar with Haji Kamal, Haji Kamal had... Uh, which is the uh, story of a young lieutenant trying to basically persuade this uh, local leader to work with the military, right? So in the very beginning, if he makes the wrong decision, which is very critical to the rest of the story, we make uh, we make him try again. So basically what you're doing is you're outlining all the decisions that are going to happen, And then you're saying which one of these are um, critical enough that they're going to be kind of my splitting points. And after I do that, I still work out what the perfect path is going to be because I'm trying to get them to an end uh, where they're successful. So I I outline that end as well at the very beginning. Then as I do my kind of second iteration for the different branches, I write that out as a flowchart beside it. So I Mm -hmm. have a script and that looks linear because you can't help it. And then you have a flow chart. And I basically have each line kind of tagged like, you know, decision 1A, decision 1B. And all those things have like little boxes outlined 
and it it looks like that. It looks like a like a like. And I uh, my favorite tool for that is Lucid Chart. If you want actually want to get it into uh, an official uh, story or unofficial software. But um, I try to make sure that it's very simple first on paper and that it works on paper, like somebody would want to read it and they find everything really compelling and the next decision leads to the next and leads to the next and it's it really flows. And then what's cool is this is the awesomeness of scenarios. Then you can add branches if you want, but your core story, your core theme, your core like journey that has to be tight before you move to branches because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people start with branches and then they go to more branches and more branches and they lose a semblance of where are we trying to get this person, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, paper works and it helps keep you constrained, right? And then also when you're drawing out your flow on a piece of paper, man, does that really constrain you? You're like, why am I doing all this? Like just, you know, I could skip this and go straight to, you know, straight to saving the princess. <laughs> right. No, that's great information. <laughs> Thank you. Glad it was helpful. Uh, it's it's hard. You know, I, I got to doodle when I do this stuff. So when you're talking, I'm trying I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Nate, I just want to make sure that before we even get to the end of this, that I don't forget to share these three tips with people for designing awesome scenarios. I hope you don't mind. Fantastic. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so and and these are things I learned through like some serious, you know, banging my head against the wall. Because guess what, everybody, this takes work. This is the grind, but it's satisfying. All right, so um, this is what I think people uh, should do more of uh, when you're designing your scenario. Realize it's not a uh, like a silver bullet. Don't go in there thinking that it is, and don't let anybody else tell you that it is because they're lying. What it is, your scenario is a complement to what's already working in that ecosystem. And the bells should go off if you're coming into a place and they have nothing else, like they don't have learning resources, they don't have performance support, they don't have any job aids. If they don't have any of this stuff to support their employees and they just have this thing that they're really hoping and wishing this is gonna solve all their issues, they don't have you know mentoring or job on the job coaching, really step back and say, okay, we need to have all these other pieces in place as well for this to be a success. So it's not a single kind of thing. Um, the second thing is don't invent the wheel. Go out there. Name, we named so many different kinds of resources. Find stuff that's already working that's great and then deconstruct it and apply it. Don't try and be creative. Build on the shoulders of giants and just um, incorporate ideas from other people, kind of like do the Austin Cleon steal like an artist, right? Do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's what I suggest. And then the third one is don't try and solve too many problems with your scenario. Just focus on a single uh, outcome, mm-hmm. single mission and vision. And then when you launch, maybe it means you launch three scenarios instead of one, mm-hmm. but at least it's super focused with that story. So that was it. Rant over. <laughs> the third one also, uh, I just had, had a, thought that you know if it's focused that also means it's easier to measure if the effect is there right oh yeah for sure and and the story will be more punchy and then you have you can deploy it more often it's yeah there's so many good things about making it Mm. focused and yeah and that's one of them definitely awesome so if we transition to some software what do do you do the the, the development also in storyline or some other tool yeah, I use, um, well, uh, my developer is Ryan Martin, and he's kind of the, he's a magician with that stuff, so I leave it to him. 
but I think it's super important for any instructional designer who works in e-learning to actually have pretty good knowledge of the software, even if they're not building, because then you know what is realistic for you to ask and what's possible. So yeah. that's it. But I do develop in Rise because Rise is like for kids. <laughs> so it is, right? Uh, and um, and I love the constraints um, and I love how quickly you can publish. So yeah, that's Rise is like, it's awesome. It's awesome. So do you do actual scenarios in Rise? Yeah, they actually just incorporated a scenario block too, which just, is the, I was just going to ask. Right? If, yeah, I was going to ask if you use that. Yeah, they have that new scenario block. Yeah, yeah so that one's like, it's very much like uh, branch track, right? Like with the, um, with the experience, because it's first person. So you're definitely doing like sims and stuff. But... But you can do branch scenarios in Rise because you can, it's, you know how you get, everybody's like, you can do branching scenarios in PowerPoint. Well, basically the same thing in Rise. You can point to different pages based on different outcomes. So it works and I've done it and it's sweet because um, you don't need a whole lot of tech to be able to do it. You just need to plan it out really well. And the challenge is actually, I think the biggest challenge is when people are reviewing these things. The more complex you get, the harder it is for them to continue keeping track of have they gone through all the branches, have they uh, experienced all the pieces and reviewed them. So that's for me is probably the biggest challenge with uh, using software to to review scenarios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. How about you guys? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I typically I'll use Storyline um, and... Uh... I think now with the new rise, um, what do you call it again? The, uh, the what, what block is it? It's a scenario block. Scenario block with the new <laughs> yeah. rise scenario block. I think it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what what uh, what can be done with that to, yeah. to really push it and create uh, more interesting things. And and you can integrate storyline into those things as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I know for me it's storyline and. Nate, I'm going to guess for you, it'd be storyline. Yeah, storyline, unless uh, unless the, the the client would want rise, I would I would stick to storyline. I would stick yeah. to storyline too. To be honest with you guys, it's more like a, a uh, basically a publishing platform for HTML5 compliant. Type, yeah, you know, mm. yeah. Because but, otherwise, if you're thinking true interactivity, yeah, you're going to storyline. You're going custom. Yeah. But like you said, Anna, if you don't know the tool enough. Uh, you can end up uh, creating something that's going to be a bit more broken than if you would have uh, just developed it in Rise. So it's <laughs> it's good to build with what you can build in. Or yeah. just or collaborate with somebody yes. who's a pro, you know? Yes. Yes. One of your episodes uh, spoke about that. Yeah, I think that we don't do that enough as developers. Like uh, I see people out there who are like just struggling. They're like, oh, I don't know how to draw. And I'm like, good, because I really <laughs> would not want your drawings in my stuff. Like hire a pro. Yeah, it's not that yeah. it's not that expensive. Yeah. The world is our oyster right now with with like all these artists. So yeah. I say just yeah, bite the bullet and make it awesome. You know, let go of the ego a little. <laughs> Okay, final question. This one is the, the big one for 100 points. Oh, gosh. Okay, Alex, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the most important thing about e-learning? Oh, man. The most important thing about e-learning? Hmm. I don't think there's one more most important thing, but for me, it's that I'm able to create an experience that 
is customized to that to that person and it's ready when that person is ready to learn. So it's really about just making those learning experiences accessible to people when they're in the mindset to learn and mm -hmm. in a safe place to learn it. So that for me is probably the most important is what kind of experience the learner has um, and we're able to facilitate for them without being in the same room and being able to see whether they got it or not. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Anna, so much. This was a blast. Uh, now, please plug everything you want to plug. Where can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, yes, so definitely look for me on LinkedIn. Um, I know my last name is ridiculous. So I'll give you an alternative. It's um, go to scenario design secrets.com. And there I also have other free training. I'm also on YouTube. So um, if you Google scenarios, uh, basically on the interwebs, you probably find some of my work. And if this is something you want to get good at, then that's definitely where you want to start hanging out. <laughs> Great. Thank you. And I'll hope we'll be able to talk to you soon. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is awesome. Now, Dave, before we wrap up, we have a question for the Ask the E-Learning Guy section. And it's from Alex. And he's asking about the annoyance he's having. And I know what he's talking about. So uh, here's the question. When I added the color of a bullet list, it automatically adds some more indentation, something around 0.13. Does it happen to you too? How do you guys cope with this bug? So yeah, it does happen to us. We, we knew it from before and before we started recording, we also tested it. And yeah, it, it happens when you go uh, in the bullet properties and you change the color, it adds some indentation. And yes, we agree, it's, it's annoying. Uh, but we found two, one long and one simple solution. So Dave, would you tell us about the solutions? Yeah, uh, so certainly this is a bug. We don't know what causes it or not. Uh, we have no control of this. But um, what you can do is you can go into the paragraph properties and you can set the indentation of the before text and the hanging indent. Um, I think the default is 0.13. Uh, before you change the color, you can always go and look to see what it was before you change it and set it back to uh, what it was originally. So that's the longer solution. Uh, the faster solution is to, once you've changed the color of that bullet, to just click back on the add remove bullet button and remove the bullets, click it again, put the bullets back. It will retain that color you changed it to and you'll be all set. Yeah, yeah, it, that's the, the easiest way. Just remove bullets, add them again, and you're all set. I think I usually do that, but it became so instinctive that when I read the question, I didn't really, I, I couldn't remember what I usually do. <laughs> There's certainly bugs that, I just don't even uh, think about. I just, uh, I just kind of work around them. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're so familiar with the bug that you, I mean, you don't even get annoyed anymore. You just plow through and continue with the project because you don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if they ever get rid of the bug, I may start to wonder if that's <laughs> a, now a bug that it's working. So Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of storyline, Dave. Yeah, and in fact, speaking of Storyline, if you want to advance your Storyline skills, check out our video training series at masterstoryline.com and use the discount code SCENARIOS33 to get 10% off the first year. And you can always find more episodes at theelearningguys.com and you can also reach us through the website. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Yeah, thanks, everyone, and happy learning.